0: So, I'd like to um, ask, uh, introduce the speaker, uh, uh, Joel Osterlin, who's been here before and uh, will be here more often as time goes on. And he, his wife, Mary Lee, is with him today. So, we want to welcome Joel and Mary Osterlin. Good to be with you. I uh, appreciate the prayer for the deer hunters. I was reminded just sitting here. Uh, so Marilee and I have been married 23 years. It's 23 years, 24 years ago, that I met her mom on a Minnesota deer hunting opener weekend. Marilee was in graduate school at the University of Minnesota in Duluth, and we were just starting to get to know each other, starting to date, and I saw so that first meet. Your girlfriend's parents, a lot of pressure and stress. We went antiquing that weekend. I married into the family and haven't been antiquing since. <laughs> then I started to hunt with my father-in-law. I'm going to read our scripture for us, and then we'll get into the message. Proverbs 1, first seven verses, and then jumping to chapter 6. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. 6, 6 through 8. Go to the ant, you sluggard, Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, or ruler. Yet, it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Heavenly Father, again, we pause in this moment, lift up this time to you. We thank you for your presence, your love, and your care for your word. It is a light for our life, a lamp to our feet. May it guide and direct us on this day and this week. Amen. Proverbs are not unique to the Bible. There are many different cultures that have proverbs as a part of their culture. A proverb is nothing more than a short saying that gives advice on some sort of truth. Many people often perhaps have a favorite African proverb or a favorite Chinese proverb. Those seem to be two sort of main cultures that people draw Proverbs from. And as we start this morning, I'm not only reading the book of Proverbs, but I thought to look at some of these other Proverbs from different cultures that I found intriguing uh, for one reason or another. And, and, and as we look at them, I'm not saying that I believe or don't believe the truth that's found in these Proverbs. I am just think it's intriguing that, you know, Proverbs isn't unique to the Bible, so here's, whoops, one. Ha <laughs> ha. An African proverb. Only fool tests the depth of a river with both feet. A Chinese proverb. Your teacher can open the door, but you must enter by yourself. A Danish proverb. He who is afraid of asking is ashamed of learning. This one isn't attributed to a culture when I found it, but big journeys begin with small steps. Another one here that's stop trying to calm the storm. Aha. Calm yourself. And the storm will pass. I like that one. A Brazilian proverb. The tree with the most leaves will not necessarily produce the juicy fruit. The idea behind these cultural proverbs is that a person um, would read them, and as the person reads them, they become wise, which may be true, but that's only part of acquiring wisdom. No matter what is happening in our lives, in our world, in our church, it seems that wisdom is a trait that is needed and desired. As I heard those prayer requests, there needed to be wisdom at the moment that they drove up to the tractor and it was jackknifed, knowing that the vehicle that they came with wasn't big enough to get it out of there. That was a moment where wisdom was needed. we got to call the bigger wrecker. So not only God's provision and keeping everyone safe and the tractor and the spreader keep working, but in that moment to make the right decision. Wisdom is needed all the time. To live with wisdom, to lead with wisdom, to be a wise person is what people of God desire and what God desires for his people. So much so that he's included books of wisdom for us within the Bible. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at three different Proverbs. One of them, as I read already, was this 6-6. Go to the ant, consider its ways, and be wise. So as I think about my goal as a, as a pastor, <laughs> it's just people to be wise, to know God's word, to live with wisdom. And so we're going to do what this says You know, this idea to consider something means to think carefully about it, about that object, to notice the quality about it. And so we're going to just spend a few minutes doing something that's sort of out of the ordinary here on a Sunday morning during the sermon time, and that is I'm going to have you consider the ant to turn and share, to think about what wisdom you can draw as you think about the ant. Whether it's with the person next to you or the person behind you or in front of you in groups of three or four. You're going to have little huddles, and I'm going to give you 60 to 120 seconds, maybe two and a half minutes, um, to think about the ant and all the different facts. So actually, on we put in your pews on the ends, ant facts! <laughs> and here they are on the slide. And if there isn't someone close, you can just do this in your own thinking. But there's going to be a little chatter. I want to hear a little chatter. There's lots of different... Facts about the ants. There are more than 12,500 species that have been identified out of the 22,000. All are indigenous. It, um, they're indigenous to all places except Antarctica and a few remote islands. An ant can lift 20 times its own body weight. Ants don't have ears. They, quote-unquote, hear by feeling vibrations in the ground through their feet. When foraging, ants leave a pheromone trail, so then others know where where it has been and others can follow. Ants don't have lungs. Oxygen enters through tiny holes all over their body. Carbon dioxide leaves through these same holes. Ants can build small colonies of less than 100 ants, though very large colonies can occupy large areas containing millions of individual ants. Within these colonies, there's a division of labor, But they work collectively to solve problems, support the group in a similar way to how human societies work. And this last little interesting fact, again, it has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet, this is what we read, it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. So for the next 90 to 120 seconds, turn and share, what wisdom is the ant teaching us as we consider its ways? We're, doing, we're going to do what the proverb says. Consider the ant. Okay? Go ahead. What do you think? That's okay. Our Proverbs said consider the ant, so that's what they're doing. I had all these ant facts, and they're just kind of talking about the wisdom that we can get. Oh, so it's a pause in the sermon, but then I'm going to keep going. Okay, so Only for like 30 want, more seconds. You don't want to hear him? Hear what? What, what we come up with. I, uh, unfortunately, we don't have time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You have something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you, you get all these ants. Yeah. Tremendous amount of ants. Yeah. can overcome something that's much bigger than them. Yeah. Because they can sting and, fight oh, yeah. and they don't yeah, yeah, yeah. back down. Yeah. Power in the group. That's good. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. Um it'd be fun to hear to share. Don't have time for that. <laughs> Not knowing what you said, but possible lessons that you could have said or noticed or shared with each other is we, what things that we learned from the aunt. is the plan for the future. Practice delaying gratification. They don't eat everything in the summer. They're storing up. Working together yields better outcomes. Everyone has a job to do. Everyone can contribute. Everyone is valuable. Know how to find your way back home. Leaving that little trail. <laughs> Get back. Are you missing a body part? Ears, lungs, they don't have them. Adapt! Functionality is not predetermined. pre-determined. And don't let others underestimate your abilities. I can lift 20 times. They can lift 20 times. I can't lift 20 times my body weight. Yeah. As I think about the lessons, I see much, a much broader lesson for us from God when we, he says to consider the ant, which is, there are lessons to be learned by the small or seemingly insignificant. Of all the animals or insects that Solomon could have chosen, He chose the ant. I'm guessing the ant was treated the same way in Solomon's day that it's treated in our day. That is, it's somewhat interesting to look at, but for the most part, it's an insect and it's not to be embraced. Usually, if an ant is found in a house or on food or calling on our body, it is killed instantly. Kids, maybe some adults, have some ant farms, but for the most part, ants are not pets. Pets. They're not something that is kept and valued. It's interesting to note that an ant, just that word, can be a negative term. Meaning when assigned to something else, it means that uh, that object or person is much lower than me. A part of the connotation of ant, then, is that that object or person doesn't have anything to offer. So the truth that God is telling us when he asks us to consider the end is that the small or the seemingly insignificant do in fact have something to offer. We see this truth in one of Jesus' teaching to his disciples in Matthew 18, through 5 We read, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed that child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. The question for us to consider is, are there, are there people groups that That I, that you, that we, that us together collectively have either on a conscious or maybe on a subconscious level that we would have a bias towards that we see as the ant? Do we look at a certain segment in our society as if they're ants wondering what do they have to offer to me or to us? Maybe it is children, just as in Jesus' day. It could be the elderly. Maybe someone from a different culture or a different religion. Perhaps someone with a different gender. Or maybe someone that says they're transgender. Someone with a different economic status than us. Perhaps we look down on someone who is homeless. Someone that maybe has a substance use disorder, is an addict. Maybe we look down on those who are sick. What do they have for us? Maybe it's a single teenage mom. Or a high school dropout. Maybe the ant in our life is a person with poor hygiene. Or someone that drives a rusty car. Or someone who is a hoarder. Or someone with bipolar disease. Maybe it's someone who suffers from depression or someone that has PTSD or perhaps someone with multiple personality disorder. Paul writes in Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, Value others above yourself. For God to ask us to consider the ant, I think a big lesson here is that no one should be an ant to us. Not even the (laughs) ant! Not even the ant. The ant can teach us how to live wisely. Now, here's the key. In order to consider the way of the ant, the person must be near it. And this is part of that Hebrew definition of the word raha, be near. In order to consider the way of others in our society that we may define as ants, we must be near them. It's actually quite easy to look down on another person thinking that they have nothing to offer, nothing to teach me. However, the wise will consider the ways of the seemingly small or insignificant. A second biblical proverb we are going to look at is found in chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. This proverb caught my attention because of the phrasing, the wise saves lives. I wondered, is this proverb referring to someone who is practicing medicine? (laughs) What does it mean to save lives? Other translations have the English saying, win souls or capture souls. What is really interesting with this verse is the Hebrew is not really clear of what's being said, so a person can choose, must choose, which translation back into English to read. I'm going to choose the wind slows English translation, and if you let me do that, I see the truth behind this proverb being that wise living attracts and impacts other people. Your life will have an impact on other people. It automatically does. It just does. Just as your life will be impacted by other people, we cannot be uh, immune from the impact of other people in our lives. Others will want to be like them. Um, others, excuse me. Generally speaking, wise people attracts others. Will be attractive to others. Generally speaking. Uh, wise people will be attractive to others. Others will want to be like them. They will want to think like them. They will want to have the same kind of decisions that they make. People will want to know their secret. And our secret as Christians is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 130. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and the righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Our lives are changed to the work of Jesus Christ in our life. When we place our faith in him, he begins a new work in our minds and our hearts. He has become the wisdom for us. This is our secret, a secret that we're happily ready and willing to share with others. The Bible tells us the wisdom is a person, and that person dwells in us. That person redeems us. That person makes us righteous. That person sanctifies us. Jesus purifies us, makes us holy. Holy, pure, righteous people are attractive. Holy, pure, righteous people. They are attractive. Others will want to know what what they can do to live in the same way. In a very real way, living wisely is an evangelism strategy. As we live wisely, people will be drawn to it. Solomon had no knowledge of Jesus, but he did know what it meant to have faith in God. He did know what it meant to be part of a religious, a spiritual community community. He did know that people would be lost without God. We know that God, through the work of Jesus Christ, can save lives. God's vision for Bethel Covenant Church is for you to be a people who would win souls. And this can be done in part by the way you live together. Living wisely as a community will have an impact on others to the point that others will want to join you and join this community. When that happens, then we see this truth being played out, the truth in this proverb being played out. Our third proverb this morning is 14.1. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. And this is this verse talking about construction and destruction. What does building her house and tearing it down mean? Solomon in this proverb is personifying wisdom and folly and just happens to use the feminine to do so. The truth behind this proverb is in general that wisdom will build up and foolishness will destroy. Or to put it more succinctly, wise living will build others. I think Proverbs 14, like Matthew 7 and Luke 6, allows us to see the house as an analogy for a person's life. Building a house is not only talking about building one's life, but it's also talking about building up of the lives of the people around you. And this is where I'm glad Solomon uses the feminine in his personification of wisdom. Females have a unique power and a position to build up the lives of those closest to you, especially your family. Now certainly males are called to build up others, but let's just pause to consider how a mom, a sister, a grandma, an aunt, a friend, a daughter, a mother-in-law has the unique position to either build others up or tear them down. In her book, That Good Night, a book by a woman by the name of Dr. Suniti Puri, she shares her journey Of getting into medicine and becoming a physician she happens to be a palliative care doctor and she realized at one point during her residency that she went into medicine to be close to her mother who was also a medical doctor and as their relationship grew over time Dr. Puri recalls the following interaction and so now I'm reading from her book she writes my mother was waiting for me when I returned home from working that evening The scent of onion and garlic welcomed me, as did the sizzle of cumin and coconut oil. My house smelled like home. Do you and your boyfriend ever cook? My mother asked, smiling slightly. There's nothing in your fridge. I felt ashamed. In the three years since finishing my training, I still hadn't abandoned certain habits of student life, getting cheap Thai takeout or tacos, cooking enough dal and rice for one week, but then tiring of it after day three. She recently started to wonder aloud whether she taught me any life skills. Why didn't I cook as she always did? She worked full-time and cooked fresh meals for her family even after a long day. I only had one job. What was my excuse for not having prepared a meal for her or organizing the papers that piled up on the dining room table? When was the last time that I weeded my garden? Why was I not married and settled with a family of my own? She wondered if I wasn't married yet because she hadn't taught me how to run a household. I knew she wasn't trying to be hurtful, but her words stung. I knew I could never be like my mother, though I'd spent long stretches of my life trying to emulate her. I couldn't fathom how she balanced everything she did. I wish I could be like you, I told her, but I can't. I've tried. Are you building up your spouse if married? Your children if a parent? Your siblings? your parents, your grandkids. If none of those people are in your life, let's go beyond the biological family. We are the family of God. How are you doing building up those in this house? How's it going building up those in your neighborhood, in your city, down your street? The truth behind Proverbs 14.1 is the idea that you are making these places a better place and these people that end your life better people because of you. Paul gives us this command in First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. May we embrace the wisdom of building and getting rid of foolishness Of tearing others down. The book of Proverbs is a wisdom literature that is just rich with insight, telling us how to live wisely and avoid foolishness. I just want to end with the results that Solomon points out from living one way versus the other. The impact of each type of living is first felt by the person themselves, but then it's also felt by others around them. And Solomon wants us to know. That if we were to live foolishly, it leads to a whole list of results that we would want to avoid. People being destroyed, shame, death, harm to others, deception, strife, father's ruin, undoing, lack of honor, heaviness. Where wise living leads to reward, delight by the king, by God, ability to take on challenges, joy, gladness, to parent. My appeal for us <laughs> is for us to think about the results that we want from our life along with the impact that our life will have on others. If we want reward, honor, along with joy and gladness for others, then we will embrace wisdom. For us this week, we see that a wise person will learn from the seemingly in- small insignificant. They will learn from the ants in our society. A wise person will have a deep impact on those around them. They are attractive. They are winning souls. And a wise person will build others up, not tear them down. May God fill us anew with his spirit to live as wise people and drop our foolish ways this day and this week for his glory and honor. Amen. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Again, for your word. May it speak to us in a deep way, so much so that we would change our way, continue to live wisely, embrace that for our lives. We pray in your name. Amen.